If you have your Bibles, open up to Matthew chapter 5. In Matthew chapter 5, there's a passage of Scripture that is familiar to every person in this room. I feel fairly confident about that. But, but it's a passage of Scripture that when we read it, I hope it doesn't cease to challenge us. You see, Paul writes about the Christian life, and, and he says, You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill, it cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. So let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. You are the light of the world. That's how the Bible describes what it means to be a follower of Christ. To be light in a world of darkness. I read those words and, and, you know, I've been singing about those words probably as long as I can remember, right? This little light of mine. That's the wrong tune I just gave you there. But, but I, I've been singing that song for a long, long time. But, but they're words that we think about. Am I really? Am I the light of the world? As, as distinct as a room is that has a light on or a light off in it. That's, that's what the Christian life is supposed to look like. Whether you're 14 years old or you're 84 years old or you're 94 years old. I guess maybe we have maybe one that that could apply to. You are to be the light of the world. This, this distinctive picture that, that tends to make most of us feel rather uncomfortable. The idea that we're going to be different. Now, now everyone in here relates to the idea of being different in, in, in a slightly different way. I understand that. Some of you are more comfortable than others with that. But, but for the most part, we spend a great deal of our lives just trying to fit in. I, I don't like being the oddball. I, I don't like being the, the third wheel. I don't like being in situations where, where people think that, that I'm, I'm just not one of them. And sometimes even intellectually I know that I ought to be and I want to be, but it still feels different. Pretty much all my life I think I've been battling those feelings. I think back, I think back to high school. I mean, it meant a lot to me what, what, what brand of blue jeans I was wearing. Now, I don't care too much about what, what, about what brand of blue jeans I'm wearing today, but I cared a lot about it when I was in high school. I remember I asked for a pair of blue jeans for Christmas because I was desperate to fit in. I was desperate to be cool. And my mom told me, she said, you can get them, but that's all you're going to get. And I said, I don't care. I want them. Because if I have those, then I'll be just like everybody else. Now, I didn't say that, okay? I thought, if I have them, I'll be cool. But what cool means is, I'm going to fit in. And while I don't care so much about what brand of blue jeans I wear today, I, I, still, I still struggle with this idea of being distinctive. And when I look at the Bible, I see over and over, that's exactly what a Christian is supposed to be. We're supposed to be light in a world of darkness. And, and, and the reason I'm bringing this up is because I want to speak to our, to our theme that that's, I hope we're going to see 
coming through almost all of our lessons throughout this year, the, the idea that we are not just to be followers of Christ, but, but that from a worldly perspective, we are to be radical followers of Christ. That, that we are to be people who are living lives in pursuit of Jesus Christ, that those who are outside of Jesus Christ are going to look at, and they're going to say, now that's different. I don't understand what's going on there. I don't understand why he would do this. And the reason they don't understand is because they don't know Christ. But you do know Christ. And if you do know Christ, it ought to impact your life. It ought to impact every area of your life. And so, so the, 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 the title that I chose was just the idea of, of being radical. And, and by the way, there are lots of different ways that, that, that you could quantify this, aren't there? The, 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 this idea of, um, I thought about just saying different or peculiar. Uh, I, you know, I, I did some reading, I almost, almost went with the idea of just weird, right? I was going to get a banner and put a big picture of Brian Leverett on there and just say, weird. And some of you thought that was funny, some of you didn't, but, but it was a thought that I had. But, but, but this, this idea of we want to be people who are living lives that people who don't know Christ really are going to struggle to understand. Not because we're trying to be different, but because we're trying to show them something different. Because we're trying to show them Christ and what Christ looks like. But we live in this world where, where even, unfortunately, even in, in, in a culture of, of the church at times, people have these ideas where, where we... We just don't want to get too excited. We, 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 we don't want to get too far on the edges. And I know there are extremes. I understand that. I think the Bible talks about that. But sometimes we get to the extreme of not, of not wanting to be extreme. Of not wanting people to think we're extreme. But yet over and over in the Bible, we, we, we seem to see Jesus calling us to radical faith. Calling us to a sort of faith that the world's going to look at. And, and they might not even recognize it as faith at all. I think about what Jesus said there in Luke 14. Jesus said in Luke 14, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Now, this is the same person that says we ought to love our spouses, right? We ought to love our children. We, 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 we ought to understand the love of God. We ought to love our brothers and sisters. People are going to know that we're Christians by our love. He says, he says you have to hate them. And, and what he's meaning is, is, is not this idea that, that you need to go out there and do bad things toward, towards your family or towards your brethren. He's saying that our, our, that our love for God should, should be of such effect that when we truly love God, people in the world who don't know God will, will, see, will see our relationships as hate because we love God so, so much more. We need to be a people who are willing not just to come and sit in, in a padded pew. I'm grateful we have padded pews but people who are willing to take up our cross. Because Jesus said, if you're not willing to do that, you cannot be my disciple. This extreme, this extreme that we struggle with, in particular in, in our culture of, uh, of, so, many, of so many blessings, where, where, we, where we have twisted, unfortunately, at times, Jesus to look more like us instead of, instead, of being, instead of insisting that we be transformed into His image. 
This idea that some have, wrote, or have written about this nice, this nice middle class American Jesus. We've all seen him. We've all heard him portrayed. This, this idea of, of a Jesus who, who doesn't mind, you know, he really doesn't mind materialism. After all, he's the one who has given us all those things, right? James 1. So this idea of Jesus who doesn't mind materialism, and he certainly would never ask us to do without something. But yet, isn't that exactly, isn't that exactly what Jesus asked people to do? Isn't that exactly the struggles of the rich young ruler? Where Jesus asked him not only to, not only to do without, he asked him to give away everything. What the Bible says about making sacrificial offerings to God. People talk about a Jesus who would, he would never expect us to actually forsake a relationship. When in fact, I believe Jesus calls on us to forsake many relationships. Not, not to be harmful towards people, not to be ugly towards people, but to understand that there is a distinction between light and darkness. To understand that we ought not be deceived. That, that evil companions do corrupt good morals. And th- that's more than just a nice little saying. That's gospel truth. Jesus wants us to understand that. There are many people who are dying spiritually because they think that God wants them to hold on to a relationship. When he actually calls us to forsake those things. A God who is fine with nominal devotion. Because, I mean, he knows you're busy. He knows you've got a lot going on. He knows you don't have a lot of time for studying the Bible. He knows you don't have a lot of time for, for this activity. And that. He says, it's okay. Listen, as long as, long as you just come every once in a while, is that the Jesus that we read about in the Bible? Or do we read about a Jesus that says, that, that says I want you to take up your cross? Do we read about a Jesus that calls us to a radical Christianity? The, the, the whole point that I want us to get at is, is that we ought to be people who are living such lives that are, that are showing people a way of life that, that one, glorifies God, but two, shows, shows that, that glorification to the world that they're not going to understand it. That, that, that they're going to look at that and they're going to say, I, I don't understand that. Because l- l- let me just say this, there's something seriously wrong if our lives make sense to unbelievers. There's something seriously wrong with our lives that we say we are walking by faith if people who don't have any faith think, now that makes sense. I see, I see why they would do that. I think I may do the same thing. For we walk by faith and not by sight. To be disciples of Christ, to be different from the world. Of course, not to show the world myself. That wouldn't do any good, would it? but to be radical disciples because I'm trying to show the world a radical Savior. I'm trying to show the world a Savior who's different from any other. I'm trying to show the world Jesus Christ. I don't do that when I show them myself. But when I, just, when I strive to be what He wants me to be, I show them the true light. That's what Deacon read for us at the beginning of our, of our lesson in 1 John chapter 1. For in this message we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. I'm, I'm not talking about being different for the sake of being different. Some people walk down that road far too often, okay? That, that's not what we're talking about. 
we're talking about being different for the sake of Christ. We're talking about being peculiar because Christ was peculiar. We're talking about being radical because Christ was radical. That's what people need to see. He is the light, and we reflect that light. And those are more, they must be more than just words. It is a, it is a lifestyle. Listen to what Paul said in Romans chapter 8 as he talked about our walk. He said, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. But listen to the way he describes those who are in Christ Jesus. Describing Christians, just like Jesus was there in Matthew chapter 5. Who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Verse 5. For those who live according to the flesh, they set their mind on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. He says there's, there's this distinction where we're living our life and we're not living our life like everybody else lives their life. As easy as that is. As natural as that may come to us. We become people who say, I'm putting my, things on the, uh, I'm putting my mind on the things of the Spirit of God. What would God have me do? What would God have me say? Who would God have me be? How would God have me respond? That's what we're called to be in every area of our life, in every arena of our life. We, we, we're going to talk here in a couple of weeks about what it means that Jesus is our Lord. I'm just going to tell you, most of us don't talk much about lords. We talk about our rights. We don't talk about our lords. And if someone starts to encroach on our rights, we can, we, we, we can get Right, Harry, about that situation, can't we? But yet, but yet we open up our Bibles and we say, no, we have, th- we have this one relationship where we have a Lord. And He is the one who will instruct us based on His holiness about what sort of a person we will be, about how we will live our lives. Whether it comes to talking about our family, go ahead, just do whatever comes natural. And see, and, see how, and see how long it takes you to, to wreck your family. It won't take you long. But to be a people, to be a people that, that, that are seeking out the will of God. Because, guys, we, we understand that, that, that normal, normal doesn't work. As much as we don't want to be different, normal's not working, is it? We, we, just, just think about the family for a minute, and we'll spend a great deal more time talking about this. But... I'm just going to tell you that I do enough marriage counseling and, and, and both here and, and abroad, many times on the phone, to understand there are a lot of people, there are a lot of families that are miserable. Normal is people resenting each other. Normal is people getting divorced. Normal is people, is people resenting their parents and, 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 and not, not even liking their children that much. And God calls us to have families where husbands love their wives and where wives respect their husbands and their children who are obedient to their parents. I'm going to tell you, if you have that, do you have something different? Do you have something that's radical? Look around. This is supposed to be a testimony of why is your family different It's not because you're anything special. Your family ought to be different because of who your Lord is. Because He shows me a better way to have have beliefs that are not just the beliefs that, 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 
makes sense to me. The Bible says there is a way that seems right to me, but it's a way that leads to death. And that's not just talking about that guy who doesn't have very much wisdom. That's talking about me. And so when I'm opening up God's Word or I'm trying to live my life, if I don't find myself doing some things that, 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 aren't, that aren't the first brain impulse that I have, if I don't find myself saying, I see that this is the will of God, but, but that doesn't seem the way that I would answer that, then it's possible, it's possible that I'm not really listening to God. I'm listening to myself. If, 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 if at times I'm not shocked by those beliefs. If I don't find myself in, in situations where we're where standing up for God and, and His will means this conversation is about to get real uncomfortable. Not because I want to do it, but this is just what the Bible says. To think about our possessions. I mean, what, what we do, oh, this is near and dear to us, isn't it? But, but what we do with our possessions I heard, I heard someone speak once, and these were their words. They said, you know, I'm really kind of concerned about how much money Grandpa is giving to the church. Now, he wasn't just writing blank checks, right? But he was giving sacrificially. And I just thought, there's somebody who's not thinking spiritually. And they're looking at somebody who is thinking spiritually, and, and, and because of that, they're, they're being motivated to be sacrificial in, in their offerings that, that they weren't exactly doing without, to be sacrificial in their offerings. But they didn't understand it. And so, and so someone from the outside said, that's kind of a radical way to live your life. No, it's not radical. It's, it's, just, how, it's just what it means to walk by faith. Not just as a slogan, but, but tangibly in, in these areas of our life that, that hey, I, I can't be like everybody else. I can't be like everybody else. When, when it comes to our possessions, when it comes to our finances, listen, if, if I'm going to let God mold me, and you can, we can get into this conversation about how much should you give to the church and how much should you give for offerings, and we'll, we'll talk more about that. But I just want us to understand that if I'm really going to be a person that I'm going to say God is going to mold me in my standard of, in my standard of living, my standard of living is going to be lower compared to someone who makes a similar amount of money to me but does not know God. Does that make sense? Otherwise, is it making any impact at all? I have to ask that question. And so that, 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 that hits you wherever you find yourself on the scale, right? Because I want to be someone who's being changed by these things. And listen, people aren't always going to understand these things. That's the point. Even when Jesus was going to go to the cross, even when Jesus was going to go to the cross, the Bible says there in Matthew 16 and verse 21, from that time Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem. And suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and the scribes to be killed and raised the third day. Jesus is, is about to do the most radical thing in the name of faith, in the name of, of creation and man's salvation that has ever been done. And it's about to cost him mightily. And he tells, he tells his brothers about it. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Far be it from you, Lord, this shall not happen to you. I mean, you just try to picture that in your mind. 
And the words of Jesus as he turned to Peter and he said, You get behind me, Satan. You're an offense to me and you're not being mindful of the things of God, but on the things of men. See, th- th- this is the struggle that Peter had. I'm saying this is a struggle that we have. But, but it's to understand what it means to be a radical disciple that there are going to be times that people aren't going to understand what we're doing. They're not going to appreciate what we're doing. They're not going to put a hand around on, our, on their back and say, man, I think that's great what you're doing. But if we're being led by faith, that those things will be a part of our life. To be a radical disciple. Not just as it, as, as it relates to, to those in the world, but sometimes even those who, who, who deal with a weaker faith. Is that not the case? Or do we want to find the lowest common denominator? We don't. We, we want to encourage one another. We want to build each other up. We want to challenge each other. You, 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 want, you want to find a place where, where people struggle with this? I just don't understand why you're doing what, what you're doing. Let's talk about the issue of how we raise our children. Is normal okay about how we're raising our children? Look around, guys. Normal's not okay. Normal's not okay. I mean, we're losing vast majorities of our young people. So some, some, some surveys say 70%, and you get some back. You're talking about half in strong congregations. So look around. Which half are you okay with losing? Which half? Go ahead. we got four on the front row, right? Wonderful. Which, which two? What are we thinking about that? I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm looking and I'm saying I'm not... I'm not okay with any of that. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's a zero loss that we got to be okay with, right? So I'm going to have to do some things. You're going to have to do some things. Moms, dads, grandmas, grandpas, young people. If we're going to transfer faith, we're going to have to do some things in our life that might appear to some people to be very radical. we got to be okay with that. We can't raise our kids like everybody else raises our kids. And I'm not saying that so that you can put a microscope on my family or for me to put a microscope on yours. I'm saying that so that we'll think about what we're doing. Because there are too many young people in the church who are being lost because we're just trying to raise our children the the way that everybody raises their children. And it is not working. So he calls us to a radical sort of faith. People ought to be saying, People ought to be seeing these things in in our families, in our marriages. Not just in what we do, but even in how we feel. Even in how we feel. You you, you think about the words uh, that that, that Philip gave us in, that Philip, that Paul gave us in Philippians chapter 4. You be anxious in nothing. Now, is that crazy? To be anxious in nothing? to let your anxiety roll from you. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God, which surpasses, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ. See, just like what Jesus was saying in the Sermon on the Mount, this goes much deeper than just what's on the outside. This goes to what's on the inside. It doesn't mean that Christians don't have struggles because Christians do have struggles. Many struggles that come as a direct result of our faith. 
It doesn't mean that we don't shed tears because even Jesus shed tears. It doesn't mean that we have all the answers because we're, pray, because we're told to pray for wisdom for, for those answers. It does mean that we have an understanding that when the world, when, and maybe not the world, but maybe in particular our world, does seem to be falling apart, that there is one who is in control when it seems that the world is falling apart. Peter said in 1 Peter 3 and verse 15, Sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you. He doesn't say in that passage, you need to always be ready to answer any Bible question that somebody asks you. That's not a bad thing. We we, we have to be striving to be better students of God's Word, right? But what he says we need to be ready for is that when people say, hey, why do you have hope when no one else has hope? Do we live in a world that is increasingly hopeless? Turn the news on. Of course we do. Do we shine as lights in a world of darkness when we can have hope in the midst of hopelessness? Do you think that you work with people who have no hope? Do you think that you're related to people who have lost hope? Do, 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 do we every day meet people who are struggling? Let me tell you about how you can have hope. I can't make all your problems go away, but I can tell you about one who is greater than your problems. Jesus calls us to a radical life. He said in Matthew 5, verses 29 through 30, If your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and cast it from you. For it's more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and cast it from you. For it is more profitable for you that one of, the, one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. And we've said this before and we'll say it again. He's not calling us to go out there and cut parts off of our body. But he is calling on us to get the point We ought to be radical in our faith. We ought to be doing things in our life that other people will look at and say, I don't know why you would do that. And you can respond, the reason I would do that is because there is a spiritual reality that you don't see. That's why it looks radical to you. But in fact, it's just about following Christ. That we would be a people who would live a life not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit of God. There are things in our life that if you didn't believe that there was an all-powerful creator God who sent his son to die on the cross for our problem of sin and that one day we would stand in eternal judgment of heaven or of hell before him, if you didn't believe that, why in the world? Why in the world would you deny yourself? Why in the world would you not, would you not follow every, every path of the flesh that comes before you? but because I see the spiritual things, because I'm a Christian, it changes me. I shine a light. I reflect a light that is Christ. I don't just shine it. I shine it into a world of darkness. In our Bible class this morning, we came to 1 John chapter 3 and verse 1. When John says, I want you to see See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called the children of God. 
and that is what we are. For this reason, the world does not know us, and it is that it did not know him. I'm not just talking about being different for the sake of being different. I'm talking about really opening up God's word and saying, I want to be what God wants me to be. There will be people in the world who will not understand. There will even be people in the church at times who will not understand. And that's okay. I'm going to keep shining the light of Christ. There are those in this audience that need to repent of a thing called sin in their life. And many people in the world would say, that's a bunch of foolishness. Why in the world would you ever do that? Well, I would do that because, because of the revelation of Jesus Christ. The, 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 there are people in this, in this room who are struggling. You, you, you're struggling because you, you've tried to carry all of your burdens. And you need to, to go before God and to pray for His comfort and to pray for His peace. And it will, and it will heal you. And there are people in this world that will say, that's a bunch of crazy. It's not. It's not. It is an acknowledgement that this world goes far beyond what we see. This this world goes to what is unseen. And that's the one that we're striving to please. So whether you're here this morning as one who needs to repent, one who needs to be baptized, one who needs to bring your burdens before Christ, whatever way the church can help you, let us walk together determined to be radical disciples of Jesus Christ, that the world will see and say, tell me more, tell me more about this one that you follow, the Christ. You come then this morning as we stand and as we sing.